Hello, and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Tools and Tips series. Hello and welcome to Codish. My name is Charlie Gleason. I'm a designer and developer at Heroku um, and I am joined today by two incredible people I'm really excited to talk with, uh, Kimberly Lowe Williams and Rachel Morrow. And we're going to be talking about uh, their background and experiences with uh, the Difference Engine, which is a web development apprenticeship um, that Rachel was a part of, and a little bit about their experiences in the tech industry and their background, and it's going to be great. Um, Kimberly, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So as you said, my name is Kimberly Lowe Williams. I am the founder and executive director of the Difference Engine, which is a Chicago-based nonprofit. Um, Our mission is to empower technology professionals from non-traditional backgrounds to launch their careers in tech. We do this through our apprenticeship web development program, where we build pro bono for no to low revenue nonprofits, websites and web applications that help them to move their business forward. That's who I am. I am also a senior engineering manager here at Salesforce slash Heroku. And uh, Rachel, you came through um, the Difference Engine. Um, it'd be great to hear a little bit about your background Yes, as well. for sure. As of about six months ago now, I am a junior software engineer with a company called Bench Prep, which is an ed tech company based in Chicago. But my background is not at all in software engineering. I actually worked for a while in health education and research, uh, LGBTQ inclusion, violence prevention, a lot of mission-based and nonprofit work. Um, So I was really fortunate to find the Difference Engine, which is an organization that helped me uh, make that jump into software engineering. Kimberly, you uh, talked a little bit about the apprenticeship program. So what was the inspiration for you to kind of start this um, initially or to get involved in this initially? Uh, The consolidated version of my founder story is basically that um, I found myself at a point professionally where trying to move into a more technical career within the technology industry was super difficult. Um, Just to give you a little bit about my background, I am, I don't know if you can tell maybe from the podcast voice, but I am a female, I am African-American, and that is definitely outside of the regular, the normal traditional representation within tech. So when I first started my slow crawl into this profession. I was literally a little girl coming out of Gary, Indiana. I knew no other developers, which at that time they were called programmers, but I was determined to become a programmer some type of way. So I worked really hard to try to find out more information about it, made the leap after high school into college into a computer science degree, completely got intimidated and quickly like just started backpedaling out of that profession. I was just like, no, not computer science. I have to find another way. Mm -hmm. This is too scary. I was the only female. I was the only person of color. The work in and of itself was difficult. It was rewarding, but the intimidation factor just going into the industry was just too large of a a hill for me to climb at that point in time uh, for myself as a 17, 18 year old adult as I thought I was. Um, So I kind of, 
refocused, had a family, did the whole adult thing, uh, graduated with a degree in computer information systems, tried again to enter the technology industry, started on a support desk, and literally within four years became a DevOps engineer after completing a boot camp and putting in over 175 job applications with one interview. Wow. Yeah. So (laughs) just going through that challenge myself really made me look at what was going on within the tech industry. Um, And I was raised to believe that, you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So I wanted to be part of the solution. And I also wanted to help other people to transition their lives by joining this completely open field of technology where there's nothing but opportunity for people who have the aptitude and the interest, like they can change their lives, they can change the world using technology. And so I wanted to do whatever I could to help facilitate that transition into this industry, as well as selfishly look around and not be the only one in the room. Sure. So yeah. I did have that that motivation mm-hmm. as well. And so that honestly is how I came up with the Difference Engine. Um, after working with the CEO of the boot camp that I went to and seeing that it wasn't just me that was having a hard time because my resume did not read that of a traditional web developer, I was having a hard time getting you know, taken seriously in this industry and really proving that I had the aptitude or the potential that people most often see in, you know, computer science career graduates and they give the opportunities to because they see the potential there. But when they actually, when I realized I wasn't the only one, then I created the Difference Engine to kind of serve as a stopgap between people who have invested financially, emotionally, sacrificed so much to transition into this career um, just to be able to land their first entry level, just a junior dev job. That's such an important point on on like looking around a room and seeing people that uh, that that look like you. That and, you know, and computer science as a fellow computer science, um, well, I dropped out, but I remember um, I was in a um, a database one hundred and one class, and the lecturer was using an example of like relations within a database that were wrong, and used the example of like two men being married as something that couldn't <gasps> or shouldn't be allowed and everyone laughed and i remember thinking oh my gosh they're talking about me that's so funny i'm engaged to a man and now i'm married but i mean at the time it really threw me and it made me realize that wow like i am the other here right and i think that um that's why i think the work that that the difference engine is doing is so important because i'm sure that not everyone in that room meant to single a person out and make them feel um, isolated. But if you don't have exposure to people of other walks of life, you don't even know the in- inherent internal pre- prejudices you might have, you know. So I think it's so important. I think it's it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Rachel, you mentioned that you came from a, a different background. How did you find the different sense and what kind of drew you into it or interested you about it? I was actually trying to remember exactly how I found it. I think it may have been uh, posted in a Slack group that I was in. Um, I think maybe related to diversity in tech in Chicago or something like that. I remember just how excited I was to have found it because I had kind of imagined or was dreaming like I wish there was some type of organization 
for people like me, you know, in terms of people who come from underrepresented groups, don't have a traditional background in tech, and are just like looking for a way to basically combine mission-based work as well as their love for coding and for programming. And I was like, if only it had existed. <laughs> and then, um, and then I, I was reading into the Difference Engine, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, Kim has thought of this, has brought it into reality, and here it is. Like the application is open, and so um, that was a really exciting moment. And the thing that also really excited me about it was that it helped me kind of reimagine my role in the tech industry in terms of actually imagining it as a possibility, because all of the things that you both have talked about so far, which is like not seeing yourself and people around you or the worry that entering into the industry might expose you to yeah, active biases, to discrimination, to all sorts of things, that really is what kind of made me hesitant to even apply to jobs. Like I took the boot camp for fun, essentially. And I was like, I, I'm doing this for fun, but this is not a career for me because I couldn't see myself in it. Um, and so the Difference Engine is really the turning point for me and something that helped me imagine myself doing this full time and doing it in a way that felt safe and um, fulfilling and where I could show up as my full self and not have to hide things in order to do this as a career. Rachel came into the Difference Engine and she kicked butt. <laughs> so the like she really is a strong developer and she's just kind of a really good person to work with. And I think that the value behind both of those and knowing the fact that she almost didn't enter it because of that, mm. like that is that is exactly why we mm. exist, because she has proven that when you don't make an industry kind of appealing to people from diverse backgrounds with different perspectives, you're missing on talent. Like, and that, that would have been a shame. So I'm very happy that she overcame that perspective and that challenge. Absolutely. That's awesome. And I think, yeah, that's such a good way of putting it. We don't even know the talent that we're missing out on as an industry and as individual communities as well, when we, when we uh, don't allow people a seat at the table or don't encourage people to be a part of it. So you talked a little bit about that you work um, as a, a nonprofit. How does that kind of work, the actual different engine kind of process of finding organizations and working with them and, and kind of pairing people up? Charlie, it has been magic. Um, <laughs> I would like to sit here and say that we have a very strategic and organized way in which we have <laughs> campaigns and that we facilitate the organization of how this thing happens. But it, the fact that the Difference Engine exists, it exists because of the kindness and the overall giving of people within technology, um, willing to volunteer their time and lead the program. So number one, the biggest thing is that we don't teach people to code. People come to us already knowing how to code, um, different mm. skill levels, right? And what we do is we put them together on engineering teams, which is how software is developed. That's the big secret to software development. Just so everyone knows, it's not some secret engineer in his in his garage <laughs> coding and building up the thing. <laughs> but we put we fit them into software, a very diverse, I might say, software development teams, and they learn to build these applications together. And instead of teaching them, we just kind of mentor and guide them as best as we can. The Difference Engine is able to get apprentices and get the word out and, and run. It's a completely 100% volunteer-ran organization. So it's through the efforts of mid to senior level 
web developers who come as tech leads into our organization to lead the technical requirements, building and coding and kind of pairing with the apprentices, as well as product managers, project managers that come in and facilitate the client communication and making sure we're actually building with our nonprofit clients. And some of them are just social enterprises that are heavily mission-based, um, what they really need. So it's literally just through the efforts of these volunteers that we're able to even keep going. Yeah, that's super interesting. The idea of mentorship over like rather than introducing to the tech, this idea that people, uh, especially in this industry, it's a lot of resources to be self-taught, but there isn't as many resources to get mentoring or get support, especially if you come up against tricky problems, both in terms of working within a team all the way Mm -hmm. through to the actual tech side of things. So I think that that idea of like mentorship first definitely makes sense to me. Yeah, and getting work experience because we found that, you know, a lot of people coming from different careers aren't as familiar with kind of the informal professional business behavior that we use in tech in order to actually get things done. So learning to just work as a developer can be a whole learning experience in and of itself. Yeah, I'd love to hear about um, potentially success stories or experiences that people have had through the program or even um, maybe examples of times where the program hasn't necessarily been right for people. Yeah, so since we have Rachel and she can kind of talk more about her story of her success, I will talk about like who the program has not been able to help. Um, I mentioned earlier that we don't teach people to code People have to come into the program already knowing, you know, how to basically create a CRUD app. Like they need to be able to have the the minimum entry level web development skills, comfortable in at least one programming language when they come into the program. Again, we are a very small group. We do our best to lead and mentor and make sure that they're building and coding to professional standards and give them the real life work experience. But we do require that they have at least the basic web development skills when they come in. Um, And Rachel, so you mentioned that you're a junior software engineer Mm -hmm. at Bench Prep. Um, I'd love to hear about how uh, the kind of journey that you went on from that original Slack message that you saw (laughs) through to joining that organization and how that experience has been. Sure. There are a couple pieces, I guess, to highlight that were particularly helpful about working with the Difference Engine. Honestly, thinking about it, just the very first is having to go through a, you know, I'll define generally as like a technical interview process. Um, Definitely not that intense of a technical interview process, but there were pieces of um, applying to work at the Difference Engine that had me explain um, code that I was proud of and that I had worked on and to talk about how I might improve it. And so it almost kind of felt like an initial practice round of of some of those technical interview skills that, uh, to be quite honest, when I was in my boot camp, those practice things were offered. But at that time, I had the mentality that, oh, that world isn't meant for me. And so I was not taking advantage of those resources when they were um, provided during the boot camp. And so it was really just kind of getting back into the mentality of, oh, I, I can do this. You know, I can code. I have written code. And so just kind of going through that initial process of getting accepted into the Difference Engine was a confidence boost that I'm not starting from zero. I do have skills that are valuable and that I can contribute to this organization. So that just initial application part was pretty helpful. And then once I was an apprentice, um, one thing that was really helpful was that working 
like Kim said, not as a student, not as a coding student, but as an apprentice, as a volunteer, actually building a website for a nonprofit, um, it really helped expose me to like real world coding versus boot camp coding. And so there were just a lot of things that I was able to learn from when it was just real world application of those skills. Like for example, when I was in the boot camp, GitHub was where I saved my code. Like that was it. It was where I individually saved my code. It wasn't how I collaborated with others. I didn't understand feature branches and merge conflicts. Those things like sent me into a panic, you know? Yeah. Um, And so having to actually use collaboration tools and work on a team to develop projects, that was just um, a a huge, huge help. Um, Because obviously, as you've talked about, that's how you build applications. That's what happens in the real world. And so that was really, really helpful. Um, It was also great to just be exposed to all the different roles and different people that exist on a a team that's working on technology projects. So it's not just people writing code, it's also uh, designers and project managers and, and tech leads. And so it was also really cool to just think about the different roles that are involved and how to kind of keep all of those different players in mind. Um, we also had the chance to do like demos for the person that we were building the website for. And so it was, again, just exposure to how things actually happen in day-to-day work. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it as well. I think one of the things that um, for me personally, when I went into the workforce, I originally studied design and then I did um, an internship for a year. And uh, I realized that it just never really prepared me for those kind of I don't think soft skills is the right word for it, but mm-hmm. but the idea of how you collaborate with people, how you communicate, how you um, how many moving parts there in, are in tech right, that don't right. have have much to do with code. And I think exactly. also uh, there are opportunities if you're a person who's thinking about getting into the tech industry. If if code isn't something that necessarily appeals to you, there are so many roles that are available that still can kind of scratch that itch of. of solving a problem or working as a team to solve solve a complicated problem that don't doesn't necessarily need um a text editor (laughs) or uh, yeah it's super interesting to hear it from that angle when you said that that kind of triggered something for me um when i first created the difference engine my intention was to provide opportunities uh for web developers who come from non-traditional backgrounds that used to be like our mission that used to be the statement About a year after doing the program, we realized by having opportunities for mid to senior level engineers to lead and for people to make the switch into just a typical non-technical project manager into a technical project or product owner type role, we were creating opportunities for people outside of just developers. So like I said, kind of at at the start of the show was that our mission is to empower technology professionals to launch their careers is just because of exactly that. Like there are so many different roles within tech, so many opportunities, even outside of development that we kind of accidentally are giving them work experience as well. We've, we've worked with, like Rachel said, designers and UX UI people to kind of, as our projects have matured and have progressed organizationally to make the product that we deliver at the end, you know, a higher quality, we've had to engage more and more technology professionals and there are different aspects and different parts in their careers. And by volunteering in this way, they've been able to add extra bullets to their resumes as well. That was kind of an unexpected benefit. <laughs> um, that's a good point as well. I think um, one of the things that, that you said that really struck me, Rachel, was that there were things that in, in the coding bootcamp that you didn't take advantage of because you didn't feel like there was a place for you there. Is there any advice or um, 
or anything you wanted to expand on there for someone who might be listening who's in a similar boat who feels like uh, they don't necessarily know how to kind of get a foot in the door or, or how to um, kind of approach something like um, a coding boot camp or, or being more involved in tech? Uh, frankly, I don't know how common my situation is um, because I know, uh, generally speaking, people make the investment in a boot camp um, once they're pretty solidly sure that they want to do that as a career. I was fortunate to have a really generous tuition benefit that helped me cover the majority of the boot camp that I took at Northwestern because now I was an employee there. So that was part of what kind of allowed me the privilege of doing something um, more for fun and not fully taking advantage of those um, career-based preparations. But I guess there might be still some things that can be helpful for people who maybe have doubts about their place in the world of tech, even if they know that they want to do that. And I think it's just really like early on connecting with those groups and those resources that you do feel a sense of belonging in. I mean, again, for me, Slack was huge. Like I just found a number of Slack groups. Um, I think it's like Women in Tech and uh, Chicago Diversity in Tech Initiative, some, something like that. Um, but those those Slack channels were full of like hundreds of people. And I realized, oh my gosh, like there are, there are absolutely other people and other organizations that have the same kind of mentality that I do. And so I do kind of wish I had connected to those communities a bit earlier. I think it would have allowed me to see myself in a tech career a lot earlier than I did. But um, but again, I was lucky, you know, to eventually connect with the Difference Engine and to find those places that I felt good in. That's awesome. I think I'll make sure that I put links to those groups in the show notes if anyone... Um, yes, and I will try to find you the correct names yeah, <laughs> instead of my Sorry about that. No, don't stress. That's the, uh, the joy of the show notes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Kimberly, do you have any advice for people on how they uh, might get involved or how they can make a difference, be it if they're at the start of their journey in tech or maybe if they're more established? So one of my biggest tips is to be in an area where you can attend meetups, um, go to a lot of the, they have a lot of info sessions and general call outs. Like if you just go to like just meetups and you put in your area and you put in what you're interested in, don't be shy. <laughs> like you can be shy when you get there, but go anyway. <laughs> Networking, going to those things, hearing other people's stories, listening and being present like that makes a big difference so there's there's a bunch of different groups and there's a lot of ways to get involved if you just want to if you're open and able to network like that's kind of the biggest thing just to get started you don't have to know a line of code they have a lot of informal coffee chats and meetups and you know just social networking just becoming part of the community and getting to know people and see that you know regardless of what a developer may look like or the perspective that they have, they're just humans. And what I have found is that there's some really good and generous people within the tech industry. So just becoming mm -hmm. familiar and comfortable kind of makes, oh, it provides a support system that you otherwise would not have had. And on the other side, uh, if you're someone that's interested in, in getting involved with, with mentoring or with being more supportive, did you have any thoughts on how someone could kind of get it. Call me now. <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> um, so yes, yes, definitely. If if there are people out there that are looking to pay it forward, um, and I think there is a large community out there looking for ways to give back because there is not one single person within development, within technology that has not had someone help them. 
Mm. I know very early on, um, even when I was in an organization that I did not feel had my best interest at hand, I had a, a peer, a mentor developer, and he actually took me under his wing and he taught me SQL like you would not believe. Like I, I basically came out of there almost a DBA, mm. but like during our lunch hours, he would take, we would for like six months during lunch, he would mentor me and teach me how to do things and how to run queries, how to, how to learn the language and things like that. So there's always someone who has helped someone in this industry to get a leg up because it's not easy. Like, you know, just the, the technical challenge of what we do every day is not easy. And it's, it's through the, the help and mentorship of others. So that being said, um, we are always looking for technical leads, product managers, people who even scrum masters, anyone in the field that feels like they have, they are at a professional point and they have the ability to kind of give week over week to a group of apprentices, then definitely go to our website and send me a note, fill out an application. We are always looking for volunteer help. And we are also, from an executive board level, always looking for help that way, too. We have a lot of gaps to fill because there is more to running an organization than just the technology needs. So, And then I guess the third kind of, if we think about, so if we've talked about, you know, advice for, for people who are potentially thinking about getting involved in tech. And then we've talked about people who are involved in tech getting interested in um, or getting involved in mentoring. What should people know about bringing in candidates from a company point of view? Ooh, Charlie, that that's going to make me talk a lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> number one, <laughs> from a recruiting perspective, I think it's super important to be open to looking at resumes that may not read according to the requirements that you may be familiar with to fulfill entry-level to mid-level development roles, right? Be open to a non-traditional resume. Understand the importance and the value of transferable skills. Uh, For example, we had an apprentice come through our program who used to be a lawyer, believe it or not, And she was going through the corporate law track and she absolutely hit a glass ceiling and she was absolutely bored out of her mind in that field. But she's very super smart, Um, but she had already invested a lot of time, energy and money into one career and didn't have it to be able to invest into a second career by getting a computer science degree. Mm. However, she was very gifted, very smart. She had a very high aptitude, but she was super quiet, a bit reserved, and did not, she struggled through a lot of the behavioral interviewing skills that a lot of recruiters and hiring managers look for right away. So it took a little bit more time for her to land her first development job. But as of the date of this recording, I do believe she's a lead developer and she's doing a really good job. Mm. So yeah, be open to candidates whose resumes may not read or or show as you would expect a traditional developer to read as. Another tip could also be along the lines of the transferable skills. Um, sometimes work experience, job experience, and other avenues provide, and this is the feedback that I've gotten from companies who have hired our developers, is that they didn't have to teach them to work. Typically, people hire junior or entry-level developers, and the apprentices who come through 
our program range in age from 18 to 55, kind of the average is somewhere between 28 and 32. But these people get their first development job, but it's not their first job ever. Mm, yeah. So they don't have to teach them how to work. They just have to teach them maybe get over some programming language things within their company or how their company does things, but they don't have to mentor and teach them how to work. Mm. They simply have to provide them with the technical support and the things that are teachable to perform their job. So the value of those transferable skills is quite high. So it makes interviewing for it a little bit more difficult, but you won't get that in like, a hacker rape test. You won't see that in a coding challenge. The other thing I would say is around the recruiting and hiring efforts is to be cognizant of, again, these people are adults. They have families. They may be transitioning from careers. Some of the coding challenges that we create to test the technical aptitude of these candidates simply stop them from applying because they don't have the time and the bandwidth to be able to put forth the 48 to to 72 hours that it will take to meet this coding challenge for a very competitive role. So there is implicitly something right at the very start of some of the, the filters we use that filter out highly skilled candidates, especially from an entry level and a junior perspective, right? There's there's a certain level of training and guidance that we'll have to provide anyway once we hire people at that level. And some of these really challenging code reviews and coding challenges simply filter out highly skilled applicants based on their ability to have discretionary free time, you know, yeah. to, to meet these challenges. Yeah, I really could not agree more. I feel really passionately about this. And I think that... Um, this idea of, of these really highly um, anxiety-provoking, stressful uh, whiteboard mm-hmm. coding challenges, getting like a Fibonacci sequence in a single line, or even all the way to the other end, the expectation that you have to have um, a GitHub, uh, you know, uh, commit streak that is 365 days long. It's not realistic. And I think if you're overlooking candidates um, that have these in my view, incredibly underrated softer skills around communication and around um, uh, how they approach work and all of those kinds of things that you don't get from those experiences, I think you're really missing out. You know, hopefully tech starts to move further away from that. And I think there is a groundswell of people that are saying these aren't realistic ways to test people and these aren't fair Mm -hmm. ways to test people. And it creates that culture of really extreme uh, focus on in my opinion, the wrong, the wrong bit, the wrong part. So I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important and um, hopefully that will continue to change and those kinds of of tests will continue to fall out of favor. Also, I think there are some things to be said too, from the perspective of applicants and job seekers. One of which is, at least for me, I, when I was looking for organizations to apply to and going through the application and interview process, that was also part of how I decided if a company or an organization was one that I was interested in working at, right? Is like, what kind of application process did they have? What types of skills did they value? And so that kind of helped guide me to find a place that that did put value on the background that I had. You know, I was a junior engineer, but I had over a decade of experience in education and teaching and violence prevention. And before the Difference Engine, I kind of saw that as something to be 
almost embarrassed about, like that I didn't have the proper background. But after working with the Difference Engine, I came to see that as an asset and something that I was really proud of. And so really, I just I wanted to find an, an organization that could appreciate that and that also saw that as an asset and that valued what I could bring besides just my technical coding skills, because they are important, you know, especially once you start working on teams and solving difficult and not really well-defined problems, mm. like your coding skills come kind of at the end of things. Like once you've, once you've done all this initial work of collaborating and brainstorming and communicating with all different kinds of stakeholders, teaching and explaining to others what you've tried or what you're thinking about trying, like there's just so, so much that goes into a software engineering job besides just hands on the keyboard coding. So yeah, really working with the Difference Engine helped me recognize the skill sets that I had that were really marketable and to start talking them up a lot in my applications and my interviews. Oh, that's so great. I think that's uh, a really great point as well that you kind of touched on that a job interview is two ways. I didn't realize this until I was way, way older. I, I always Oh, we teach that right away. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> but I, I just never realized that. And, and I've definitely worked in roles... Um, that I look back on that weren't great for my growth and for my development um, because of that, because yeah. the, you know, I just didn't see the red flags or I didn't value the kind of skills that you're talking about. So I think that's a huge takeaway that I think is so important. Yeah. And it kind of speaks to that pipeline problem people are always talking about, right. When recruiting and hiring, they always say that there's a pipeline problem where we just don't have the people in the pipeline, yeah. right? And it's kind of like, well, have you ever considered what is stopping them from applying to work with your company? Have you looked at your website? Yeah. Have you really looked at your recruiting standards and how your job posts and, you know, what it's like to try to work there? Because, yeah, that's definitely one thing that we talk about a lot at the Difference Engine because we do have a, a lot of people from... and. I would like to state that, yes, we have white males in our program. <laughs> Some people have asked me that. Um, it's a diverse, truly diverse group of people. And one of the things is if you really value the work that you have done within this group, try to keep it going. Look for a job that will help you to continue to, to grow and develop in that way. And that values the perspectives of the many as opposed to the few. And that's kind of one of the things that we look look at when we talk to them about where to apply and why to apply. And when I do kind of my, you know, executive outreach to companies that might be a good partner for the Difference Engine for hiring, one of the first things I look at is to see how supportive are you of people who come from non-traditional backgrounds, mm. because we don't want them to work here and it to be a terrible experience. And so if you were um, working for an organization and you wanted them to be involved, is there a way that you could um, do that? Yes. One of, one of my big things for 2020, I have handed over all of the program leadership responsibilities to my amazing group of leaders within the Difference Engine so that I can focus on helping us to build more corporate sponsorships and like look for grants and opportunities to help the organization grow. We started almost three years ago now, so we're still a pretty small, scrappy organization. However, we have a, a queue, a backlog of apprentice applications and apprentices that we wish to further support in their growth and transition into 
technology. Some of these apprentices aren't always ready to just go out and get a job, you know, as fast as Rachel did, which I'm sure Rachel was probably thinking fast. That took too long. Um, (laughs) But the truth is, like, we can only support them uh, for up to 17 weeks. And oftentimes we see a lot of people, especially people from you know, who aren't necessarily career transitioning, but career starting because they had a different start in life. Um, But they are adults, they have families, and they're looking to make a life change. We're looking to try to support them through that transition by providing them with stipends for the work that they are doing and things like that. And the only way that we're able to do that is by partnering and aligning with corporations that are willing to invest in the potential of people before they even hire them. Some companies have come to me and they just simply are like, we're not able to hire yet. How else can we get involved? Well, we have corporate sponsorship opportunities. So we have different sponsorship levels starting at 2000, going up to 50,000 or more that a corporation can donate annually to help the organization grow and to be able to facilitate and mentor these people through this different phase and as they're getting them ready to enter the job force. Yeah. And if people wanted to uh, discuss that, to get in touch, um, I will make sure that I put your contact details uh, in, yep, in the show and notes it's as well. www.thedifferenceengine.io. It's .io. We don't, we're not a .com, <laughs> so it confuses people sometimes. But it's thedifferenceengine.io, which is really fun to type, but I'm sorry, that's our name. <laughs> Well, it has been a genuine pleasure. I'm such a huge fan. I know you personally, Kimberly, so uh, now I'm just yelling it to the rest of the world. But I I love what you're doing with the Different Centre. I think it's fantastic. And uh, Rachel, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on to talk about your experiences and your background, because I think it's it's really important to have uh, both of your voices, you know, amplified and 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 talking about these um, these opportunities and and kind of what you how you got into the industry and um, like I said, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff in the show notes about the things that we've talked about and please hashtag engineer a difference, check out the difference engine and uh, and thank you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish Podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.